Onassis Foundation and Movement Radio present The Archipelago, a podcast series that follows ideas erupting from the abyss of human activity. Hosted by Yanis Orestis Papadimitriou. is not a solid terrain piling up on its own remains. It is the sum of every clouded memory and half-spoken word, forever in flux, always dissolving in the sea of history. It is an anarchic patchwork of thought and creativity, hidden behind grand narratives of actions. The minor overtaken by the major and erased from the record. The archipelago. The fluid territory of emerging thought is the recovered record. For the better part of the last two decades, media theorist Gert Loving has been writing and researching on critical internet culture. In his 2019 book Sad by Design, he studies the emotional effect of the domination of digital platforms on society and lays the foundation for a new field of internet studies. In the following episode, Gert Loving talks about the repercussions of the proliferation of Zoom in our everyday routine during COVID-19, the underestimated politics of social media, as well as the strategies and practices that could move us beyond subjugation by platforms. This is the archipelago, a week Show on Movement Radio. I'm Jens Oresfa Dimitriou, recording and editing by Stefanos Kostadinidis. Gert Loving, welcome to the Archipelago. Hello. Now, uh, we, we are here in uh, this uh, pandemic now, and we have, uh, we're spending a lot of time on Zoom. You read, you've written about this uh, recently. Um, what is Zoom doing to us? Is it draining our life source? Well, you know, what, um, what could have been a, a good idea is to, uh, you know, to gather and uh, to see other people and to get a sense that... Um, you know, we're not alone online, um, yeah, has quickly turned into, um, yeah, some kind of uh, childish uh, kindergarten situation uh, where uh, most of us uh, are uh, kind of being subjected to um, this kind of uh, panopticum situation. And uh, what's draining uh, is, uh, well, first of all, that we, we just have to sit and wait, right? Um, Zoom uh, is even uh, designed not to be uh, terribly uh, interactive. Uh, it, is, um, uh, it is an algorithm and a compression software that uh, really um, focuses on uh, the person that is uh, speaking and presenting. 
Um, so it has uh, no, uh, let's say, agora uh, type of uh, situation uh, at all. So it, it's it's uh, strictly uh, anti-democratic, uh, top-down uh, delivery system. And um, at the same time, you know, which is, could be okay if you if you're going to a class and you have to listen to the teacher. Uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, you want to listen and uh, you know get a better understanding, but uh, it's not quite like that. Um, what it does is uh, it kind of still uh, requires um, you know our presence. And this is why the the Kulturkampf uh, of 2020 and 21 is all about uh, you know having the cameras uh, on or off, and uh, many, especially young people, uh, are uh, you know plainly uh, refu refusing, for many different reasons, to have their camera on, and to have this kind of uh, visual control uh imposed on uh, on uh, what is often you know their uh, very private uh, intimate uh, space where they are maybe they're sitting on the bed they don't have a you know a workroom obviously i don't have a you know a workroom at home um so i don't work at home but and so are many many people so they have to work on the kitchen table well we all know the the situation it's dreadful right mm -hmm. and uh, zoom is only um uh, making things worse by uh, imposing this visual regime on on uh, on everybody to require uh, a visual presence um whereas you know in the classroom even in the classroom this is not really strictly uh, an uh, an issue we don't have to, we're not uh, controlled in the classroom, you know, by the teacher that uh, is going around. Are you looking at me? Uh, are you focusing? No. Uh, this, uh, the classroom in, in that sense is uh, much more um, chaotic and uh, anarchistic uh, space in, in that sense than uh, uh, this uh, Orwellian uh, Zoom environment. Mm -hmm. Now, in your piece, you actually attempt to, to provide a genealogy of Zoom. And, and I want to ask you about this. Actually, what is the vision and the values um, of the Internet that uh, Zoom embodies in its design? You mentioned that it's designed for uh, the single user and doesn't have the feature of the Agora. But in more abstract terms, what can we see in Zoom? What is the idea behind What is the, yeah, the vision of the Internet behind it? Um, well, you know... It it all goes back to uh, this very uh, primitive um, possibility, I wouldn't even call it application, uh, from 1994 um, and 95. It was called, uh, uh, what you see is what you get. Uh, it, it, then it turned into a uh, uh, real player. And these were um, early um, kind of streaming media possibilities to connect to your webcam. Uh, so the the webcam has been with us for a really long time, uh, for a good uh, you know at least 25 years. Um, and the webcam always uh, uh, kind of embodied uh, this uh, performative aspect, right? You had it on. Um, obviously, it's used in the porn and sex industry, um, and um, and then, uh, of course, uh, you know, this uh, Skype thing came, um, which, uh, you know, at the time uh, was um, kind of uh, 
quite revolutionary, subversive idea of peer-to-peer uh, -peer connectivity uh, between, uh, you know, independent nodes. Um, the uh, the Skype uh, worked really, um, uh, you know, and, and used the optimal function of the internet to uh, connect uh, people directly. Of course, that over time changed and was further centralized. And uh, yeah, this is what you see happening. There's a further centralization uh, happening um, in which uh, the, the individual uh, user uh, is kind of pushed to the background in favor of the spectacle, in favor of the uh, the totality, to put it in, uh, in Hegelian terms, right? The totality mm -hmm. of the class or the concert or, or whatever we uh, attend. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are now. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've actually, uh, you mentioned in your book that offline is the new luxury, you know, that the, the, there's a privilege in uh, going, uh, you know, going offline from social media or Zoom in this case, uh, since we're discussing this. Um, uh, have you witnessed any, I mean, what can the individual do against what you're describing? Have you witnessed any practices that subvert this uh, relation, this subjugation to, to Zoom or other platforms? Well, first of all, I think the 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 cultural uh, revolt against uh, the camera, against um, <clears throat> being online, has been described very well in uh, the essay we published on uh, network cultures, written by the uh, Italian scholar we uh, closely work together with, uh, Donatella Della Rata. It's an uh, essay called uh, Teaching in the Void, in which she, uh, you know, talks to students and asks them directly as a As a teacher herself, uh, you know, why they do this and, um, uh, you know, what the reasons are, uh, you know, beyond uh, good and evil, uh, you know, to in investigate uh, why there is uh, such a reluctance um, to uh, have, uh, you know, all your classmates uh, be part of, uh, of your private life. <clears throat> And, you know, it's so uh, understandable, <clears throat> um, especially if you've been working in, uh, let's say, the, the German, the European tradition of uh, uh, protecting privacy, etc. right? We all know that, very German hobby. Um, this, uh, this Zoom thing is, is an unprecedented violation uh, of, uh, of privacy, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, And we mostly focus, you know, on uh, on passwords and on um, social media data. But um, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if um, if there's a much bigger kind of cultural backlash coming against this really oppressive <clears throat> regime that we are facing now, which is, of course, combined with Uh, all corona measures, quarantine, etc., etc. It perfectly fits into that, and um, yeah, it's showing really the dark, the dark side of um, uh, of the internet, uh, and that's where uh, that, that's where we are um, today. And yeah, going offline <clears throat> uh, is one of the options, but uh, at the moment, of course, it's a completely um, utopian one. <clears throat> I mean, uh, being invisible for your teacher is one, but not showing up in class, uh, you know. In, It has repercussions. 
uh, severe, severe ones, right? And uh, this is widely felt everywhere. It means that um, basically uh, you do it once, twice or three times and uh, you're out and, and uh, you're, you're dropped out of school, uh, which we, uh, you know, see happening uh, all over. Mm -hmm. You see, this is kind of uh, interesting to me. I mean, you have this, uh, you kind of critique uh, the, the the ideas that separate the physical and the digital completely in uh, Sad by Design. Uh, you don't agree with the view that it's, you know, another thing is the physical, another thing is the digital. Uh, yet you're now proposing that uh, action can only happen, uh, action against it. Uh, or it seems to me that you're proposing that can only happen in real life, right? Isn't there a contradiction to this? Uh, sure, um, and we have to, uh, you know, look up these uh, contradictions. Obviously, there's nothing happening in real life uh, unless you're uh, really, um, like in the Netherlands, are out to provoke the authorities and are willing to pay a high fine uh, and uh, break the curfew and so on, so on. Right? I mean, uh, gatherings are uh, forbidden. Um, so. And, you know, in the summer, the last summer of 2020, it was a little bit like, oh, you know, we want to party, we want to have fun, come together. <laughs> But now it's, uh, you know, even that is, seems like a, a really naive uh, idea because it's um, becoming much more severe now, half a year later. Uh, we're not even dreaming of parties. We're just dreaming of uh, going out and meeting a few f friends, you know. And, mm -hmm. and, and even that is uh, uh, now uh, for for many, many millions of uh, uh, Europeans, but also even worldwide, uh, is uh, you know a distinct uh, and very far away uh, option. So, so depression has settled in. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know there is, and and but there is there is also a, a breakdown of uh, legitimacy, of course, you know, because the ideology is uh, really no longer uh, working. So um, uh, and this is what I meant. Uh, it becomes uh, pure uh, repression, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the idea that we do it together, um, uh, yeah, it just no longer works. Hmm? Mm -hmm. So. Um, Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a terrible um, situation in which in which you know I, I think we should uh, really learn uh, a few lessons in the years uh, to come because um, this is not going to go away and um, we probably have to um, defend ourselves uh, in a much. Uh, Uh, better way, and uh, the me the medical establishment has really run out of stories. Uh, why we have to do this? So there's a narrative crisis for the uh, for the medical establishment. Yeah, especially for for them. Yeah, and uh, I think we have to uh, also in the debates, um, you know, make a distinction between the medical establishment that is trying to cover up uh, its own uh, failings uh, and. Uh, you know, new uh, progressive and rational strategies how to how to deal with pandemics, and we need to uh, you know make a very clear cut between the two mm -hmm. because they are absolutely not related. Right? Um, medical establishment um, uh, has benefited a lot worldwide from uh, privatizations, from uh, budget cuts, 
you know, and uh, so they have been doing very, very well. Uh, ordinary staff, of course, uh, had to bear the brunt. So, you know, we have to, of course, be in solidarity with all the medical workers. And, uh, you know, that, in my view, has never been uh, the issue. The issue is really uh, about how to run larger, uh, let's say, public health care uh, systems. <clears throat> and and, and uh, that system is clearly uh, in, a, in a crisis because uh, uh, it has resisted a lot of um, even, uh, you know, scientific knowledge. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it, but in my case, of course, the question is more specific because I'm not a medical uh, expert and I'm not working in, uh, in health um, my question is, of course, which uh, role uh, is the internet and internet culture uh, playing in all this? <laughs> For the moment, it seems to be over- overpowering everything. I mean, uh, uh, big tech stocks have uh, gone through the roof over in the in the pandemic, and we know that usage is more than ever. Will People this- are forced to uh, forced to uh, use it. So um, you know, there's not even uh, a question of uh, choice or desire <laughs> or um, the idea of uh, let's um, you know let's uh, tweak it and uh, uh, let's subvert it or use it for other uh, purposes and so on no there's nothing like that this is a pure um, command and control top-down uh, instruction you have to do this you have to be there you have to log on here you have to fill in that form you have to uh, show up uh, in this virtual class and so on and so on <laughs> a few months before the pandemic actually what you what you seem to be describing is that uh, this current predicament um, is actually an accelerated version of something that was going on already because you have a whole book <laughs> about this uh, out uh, and I'm thinking that uh, in the last months of uh, 2019 uh, the social dilemma came out this documentary on the, on Netflix um, and there were many people and this kickstarted the discussion Discussion uh, on uh, what social media is doing to us, uh, or at least it it grew it to very uh, large portions of the population, but uh, of the viewers who saw it. But how well do you think that the social dilemma managed to describe the current predicament? Well, let me be frank. Uh, the the social dilemma um, would have been a really important documentary in uh, 2017. Um, it um, it f- failed completely. Uh, they had lots of uh, troubles and very weird ideas about how to, uh, you know, for instance, you, if you have seen the documentary, mm-hmm. um, how to mix uh, kind of science fiction, fictional uh, elements uh, into um, a ordinary, uh, you know, documentary film that uh, is addressing, uh, you know, social, uh, technical and political issues. Um, I'm absolutely uncertain uh, um, about the, the real reasons of uh, this delay. <clears throat> you can clearly see in the film uh, that um, it was based on research from 2017. It came out in 20. So, um, you know, what happened in those uh, three years? Mm-hmm. Um, and why, uh, why was Hollywood or uh, Netflix or, uh, you know, give it a name, why were they so reluctant Uh, to bring out this uh, material because um, you know it, it 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 kind of reflects on a previous episode and this is a kind of the tragic when you look at the film 
you look at pure historical information that deals with now even after uh, you know uh, Trump um, uh, is gone, uh, it is a really a distinct uh, historical episode, uh, which is uh, dealing primarily with the phase, let's say, between 2014 and 16, 17. Uh, remember uh, late uh, 16 when um, uh, after uh, Brexit and um, the victory of uh, Trump, um, the first uh, uh, news came out about uh, Cambridge Analytica that was late 16 and then a whole uh, lot of other stuff uh, came out um, on not only about the manipulative side and the way, uh, you know, the uh, the Trump administration was, uh, and Bannon, of course, in particular, was buying uh, all these uh, all these data to micro-target uh, voters. <laughs> what is uh, more important, and that's what you see in this film, are uh, distinct, uh, you know, individual characters that worked on specific elements of the story, like the, the guy who invented the like button and so on and so on, right? <laughs> yeah, the first person it, account. Whole, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole parade of uh, people. And um, yeah, also in my book, uh, Sad by Design, um, I, I have, uh, you know, listed uh, this because uh, when I wrote this in 18, uh, you know, most of the information uh, was already uh, available and we, we got a very good understanding uh, of, um, first of all, the manipulative side, the, the, the data side, and because that's one thing. Uh, but the the thing is about the social dilemma is that this is also mixed up with other forms of um, you know let, let's not call it manipulation let's let's just call it influencing the the user behavior right mm -hmm. um, subliminal subconscious uh, ways. Uh, to keep people on the platform, to keep them there uh, so that they would click on more uh, ads, see more ads, and, um, um, you know, make more so-called engagements, as it is called, uh, in the industry, which means, you know, that you like, uh, respond, retweet, uh, and so on and so on, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, and the, so the social dilemma describes how these two elements kind of in in the history in that period of 14 16 kind of comes together and where um uh let's say the the idea uh you know of of, uh, of whatsapp that you can you know see if somebody has seen the message and uh, yeah all this kind of uh, psychological drama that it's uh, causing is combined with political manipulation. <laughs> Yet I'm not sure that the, this is the it's only failing. I mean, even 2017, um, if we watched it in, in 2017, the exact same thing, uh, we would see that maybe its narrative is also failing. I mean, I can think of this YouTube exec that appears in the documentary, uh, who says that uh, who describes how YouTube has deregulated the adverts, advertising towards children, and I'm thinking that, that you know this was one of uh, <laughs> deregulating advertising towards children was one of Ronald Reagan's flagship policies uh, back in the 80s. So what yeah. I'm thinking is that the, the, it has this narrative that, you know, things were good and then social media came. 
Yeah, but uh, there is a there is a you know there is a real uh, distinction in in terms of let's say absolute hegemony of Silicon Valley and a period after in which let's say the first cracks start to appear, right? Mm-hmm. And now late uh, 2020, uh, especially after the storming of the Capitol. Um, and the, the impeachment of Trump and his removal of Twitter and um, Facebook and so on. This is the end of an era in which, uh, you know, we have seen endless um, controversies, uh, hearings, uh, books that came out, a lot of scholarly work. And, and my work is only, you know, a, a small part of, uh, of this of people that uh, have been uh, covering up uh, the doings of uh, or misdoings of um, these Silicon Valley companies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so there is certainly a period in which, uh, you know, part of this story, part of these mechanisms were still working. Huh? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you would have uh, informed yourself only a little bit, you would have been able to to find out. Uh, for instance, um, uh, the manipulation of the of the YouTube algorithm and the you know the preferences. Uh, this was for uh, in a way in the last one or two years for everyone to see. Right? You opened uh, YouTube and you could see it. There was no uh, secret there. Right? What mm-hmm. they were doing. Right? So so it was hardly. Uh, let's say um, a new insight that uh, YouTube was uh, was promoting uh, extreme uh, voices, especially on the right. Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting that you mentioned your book that and that's only one. Uh, you know that your work is only a part of uh, the whole corpus on studying the internet because the way what's particular about your book it seems to me like it's structured like it's trying to introduce a discipline of studying the internet and you know that academia is lacking um, a framework for studying the internet Uh, is that what you attempted to do yeah there's a certain irony or um, tragedy (laughs) i'm not really (laughs) sure uh, about all this, uh, and especially uh, from a European uh, perspective, although you know the, the situation in the U.S. is uh, again uh, different. Uh, but um, yeah, the, so far, um, still uh, 20, 25, 30 years into it, the internet is not considered as something seriously one has to uh, investigate. Right? Even in Athens, you can probably study theater. Uh, you can probably there. Yeah, you had a lot of places. A lot of places you can. Uh, also, we know in Athens you can study art history, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah, there's lots of that. Yeah, antiquity yeah. and you name it, right? Mm-hmm. But there is no department for internet studies, right? Yeah. And why is that? Well, we know the answer because no one in Greece is using the internet, right? There's simply no interest. People, yeah, the government has tried a lot to interest the people for Internet. There was no interest. Instead, everybody is going to theater. Everybody is uh, reading old novels. Yeah. 
And uh-huh. this is the problem. This is the problem, right? This is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. The, is, this seems like a parallel reality to me, actually. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it is, so why is that? Why? Why is it impossible? Yeah. We yeah. can still, in in essence, we can go to a, a school and study radio. We can probably even study television, but we cannot study the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have we the the best we have is like a technology and science department in the University of Athens. Yeah, but the, the, these are the engineers that are causing the the, the trouble to start with. Why would uh, we expect uh, anything from from them, right? We're, we're not talking about uh, technological uh, uh, problems or opportunities. No, no, I mean yeah. they, they are historians. It's a department uh, it's for. Not, uh, Right. This is, you know, I I think uh, there should be more engineers, uh, probably, and I would even support that. You know that um, that Greece would uh, would produce more engineers. Uh, so uh, this this is not uh, the issue that uh, you know there should be less engineers and more critical theorists. <laughs> no way. This is not uh, what I'm trying to say here. The the problem really is in the humanities, in the social sciences, uh, that mm-hmm. is incapable to understand the urgency of the, uh, uh, of the mm, tremendous uh, you know, transformations that uh, have been going on in the last 30 years, right? 30 years ago, the, the internet arrived in Athens, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a long time ago, yeah? Yeah, it is. So, uh, well, Yeah, I mean, so, sorry. <laughs> no, especially since it is, uh, you know, it, it is the experience of being interconnected, though. <laughs> you know, this uh, that's growing and growing. Everyone is like, like you said, they're not reading old novels or going to the theater. <laughs> they're, uh, most most people, what all people do is actually have, you know, have a smartphone and. Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why why is there this 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 uh, this this. Uh, tremendous uh, you know co- cognitive dis- dis- uh, disconnect with uh, the reality that we see uh, around us right mm-hmm. the, yeah I can only uh, be s- uh, stunned uh, about this and I'm, I'm making a joke about it I understand but I, I think the situation is so severe that we need to exaggerate it and uh, you know we need to um, Because, okay, we, we can say, okay, there's a, a little bit of media and communication happening, but worldwide we know that, that these are uh, basically all uh, courses that, uh, you know, um, basically work for the advertisement industry and that uh, over the past uh, five, uh, maybe ten years have uh, primarily focused on uh, social media marketing. Uh, that is uh, uh, teaching a whole y- young new generation how to build apps and uh, to fit into the um, uh, business model that um, uh, Silicon Valley has uh, subscribed uh, us to.
about your work is that you're you're actually explicitly dedicated to overcoming, to proposing a solution, not a solution per se, not a possible way out of the problems that you that you find. So I'd like to ask you this to, to bring listeners into the um, uh, into the core of your work. What have you found uh, through your studies about uh, our emotional manipulation on social media? 
I would say that in the last uh, five to seven years, this has been uh, primarily something that um, has uh, severely uh, affected the mental health and well-being uh, of young people. So they they have been bearing the brunt. Um, the older generations, okay, yeah, they've now discovered Facebook, but you know. Uh, they will not uh, be really um, so much affected because their their mood cannot really and and per- probably also political uh, convictions cannot so easily be uh, manipulated. This is very different from uh, let's say the millennials, Generation Z, and so on, so on, or even the younger. Right, um, because uh, <clears throat> already also in Greece, uh, when you're three or four, you're already fully, uh, you know, participating uh, in all this. Uh, there's almost no, um, yeah, limit anymore to uh, how young you can be to um, to get involved. Um, so um, and so these are, uh, you know, it's a considerable part of uh, of society and. Um, yeah, this, this, they are very open to, um, let's say, what others are uh, saying, what others are um, thinking of them, how they look, <clears throat> think of the whole, um, you know, situation of the selfie, which, of course, uh, you know, for me is a major topic of, uh, of study. Um, and there's also a chapter about it, of course, in uh, in the book, uh, the, this uh, idea of uh, the... The design or the aesthetics of the online self, you know, is uh, is very very important, and I've never uh, looked down on on these things. Uh, yeah, over time I've learned, you know, to be very humble, let's say, uh, and not be judgmental at all, especially not towards young people who are, you know, fully exposed to uh, all these. Um, subliminal uh, manipulations uh, that uh, the software and uh, the interfaces, the algorithms uh, provide. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one point in your book that where you say that the platform architectures uh, have reached maturity, a stability that closes down possibilities. Uh, now, now I'm thinking, why do you say that? I mean, the big tech uh, is at its prime and engagement keeps growing. Uh, this is because uh, uh, the software uh, needs to, uh, let's say, pull you into the abyss, needs to uh, pull you down. The, the idea of Facebook is not that it uh, will empower you to do anything, right? Because once it would empower you, the, one of the first things you would do, for instance, is lay, leave Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. If you do real empowerment of people, you would uh, you know, teach them, uh, maybe uh, how uh, how to get a better understanding of the technology. Maybe even uh, how to uh, how to code, um, how to uh, protect their privacy in a better way. Uh, this is all uh, not happening. So what what is happening? And this has been described already many many years ago, and and it just goes on and on. Is this uh, echo chamber? Uh, situation in which um, you kind of uh, 
see that there is an infinite uh, amount of possibilities, but um, the reality is that uh, you're going uh, in circles and, you, and that uh, you are a part of a, a so-called filter bubble and you have no idea how to get out. And the last thing these companies will do uh, is to tell you how to blow up the, the, the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the, the way you articulate your theory in the book, um, the way I said that you introduced the discipline, it's actually, I'm, I'm thinking that you're bringing a lot of thinkers that we think of separate uh, together, as in trying to, you know, describe them as a field. Uh, and one of them that is of particular interest to me was Benjamin Bratton, uh, with his concept of the stack. Um, so, uh, w- what is curious to me, you have a few criticism, uh, uh, you have some criticism uh, towards his work uh, in your book, but also there's another problem I think uh, I'm seeing that I can't help but think of the stack as something descriptive. I think it's, I would say that it seems to me like it's more a modeling approach than I'd, an ideology that could, you know, show the way out, point towards the way out of uh, of this conundrum. Yeah, the stack is a, is a, a very clear uh, anti-ideological uh, term that comes from, uh, in, you know, uh, technical uh, engineering. It. Uh, it comes from uh, deep into the uh, cellars of uh, of the of the internet uh, foundations, uh, uh, the world of ICANN, IETF, um, and uh, all these uh, very very um, Western male uh, kind of um, you know boy clubs that uh, define and maintain. Uh, the protocols that uh, that we are using uh, on a daily basis, which are, uh, you know, the found the very foundation uh, of uh, of what we now call uh, call the internet. Um, so the stack is uh, is is uh, yeah somewhat uh, very large, let's say almost Hegelian uh, concept uh, uh, that brings together a lot of different layers. So it's quite an uh, it's quite an abstract uh, term uh, for many uh, people, especially young people. Um, uh, the, the the related term of the platform is is much more appealing somehow. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. much more close. And um, yeah, I'm intrigued that uh, a lot of young people come to me and say, "I want to start a platform." Uh, so th- this is, but they never say, "Yeah, I want to uh, build uh, build the stack." <laughs> that's that's not uh, mm? that's yeah. not considered uh, cool and hip. Mm? <laughs> but because people know that this is very very dull, almost uh, mathematical, um, you know, computer science uh, based um, thinking of um, complex uh, infrastructures and how. You know the global relates to the the global uh, and to the local, and uh, how your smartphone um, is connected to servers in China, and so on, so on. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then it uh, suddenly becomes, um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, not so uh, appealing. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm quite in favor of uh, of such large uh, uh, designs because uh, I think for a long time we didn't. Um, we didn't have uh, uh, many, so um, I would, um, you know, praise uh, Bratton uh, for that. And I, I think still, you know, it's the most important uh, book. And I, um, 
advise every uh, of uh, uh, the people I work with on, uh, to uh, to close uh, closely read uh, this, uh, uh, you know, what I consider a contemporary classic of, uh, uh, yeah, of what we could also uh, call let's say design thinking or uh, designing uh, large systems on a on a planetary level however you know like with everybody there's also a politics uh, in it right so and my comments are more related uh, to um, to the uh, you know the, the, the politics of this uh, californian thinker <laughs> now you propose uh, there are very strong political overtones of your work on your work so it's it's really hard to it's what I said before actually that we can't uh, really read it without seeing the fact that you that you're pushing for a way uh, beyond maybe a way out that I've been saying so far is not the, the perfect way to phrase it a way beyond this uh, uh, current situation might be better and you, you find I, th- I think you find that the subject that could do this is uh, you propose networks for that, uh, for moving beyond this current situation. Now I'm thinking, uh, in general, we think of networks in the digital world as, you know, lacking agency, I would say. Uh, Why do you propose them as a sociopolitical uh, subject? Yeah, you could say, okay, why uh, propose, uh, you know, yesterday's concepts that uh, clearly failed? Because uh, obviously, remember uh, the works of... um, uh, Castells and um, many others in the 90s that uh, you know were promoting this uh, idea of the network society. I still think that um, uh, there is a future for organized networks. Huh? Mm-hmm. So not just uh, networks in general, not ne- networks uh, as kind of social uh, t- technical assemblages or uh, whatever, uh, you know, uh, Deleuzean um, terms you want to uh, put onto it. Um, I have developed this idea together with Ned Rossiter in Sydney, my friend with whom I'm doing a lot of work on this um, to uh, make a very clear uh, distinction between undefined uh, kind of borderless networks uh, without a cause that is that can just grow and grow and uh, that become also victim of uh, you know third parties, be it uh, the surveillance uh, state and apparatus or uh, the advertisement industry, Facebook, Google, and so on, so on. Right? Uh, they have um, um, they have been uh, the beneficiary of um, of the network uh, n- notion and they have also effectively uh, prevented people from building networks themselves so if you if you go on the internet now and you say i want to build a new, a new network well good luck you know <laughs> what what new what tools are you going to use right mm-hmm. inevitably you will end up on very large platforms and use their services, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, um, and and then you, you end up in a whole other uh, logic. Uh, whereas you only wanted to build up a network together with your friends or you wanted to get something done or you, you work for a sports club and you wanted to connect some people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you start in a way in, on a very pragmatic level uh, we want to ma- uh, exchange information. We want to uh, discuss it. Maybe we even want to vote. Have you ever heard about that? Voting? <laughs> yeah, well, n- n- 
you know, Google and uh, F- Facebook, they n- never wanted to go there, right? Mm-hmm. Simply because uh, they, they fear that, uh, you know, something else uh, might happen uh, there, uh, <clears throat> but also that uh, it, it might uh, distract people uh, and not, uh, you know, um, guide them to uh, the ads they have to click on, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when, when we're really focusing and zooming in to the social dynamics that people really are part of and want, suddenly the tools that, you know, we should give them are no longer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that uh, Google and Facebook can come up with, oh, you like uh, X, maybe then you also like uh, Y and Z, right? <laughs> this is, and this is what I mean with the, na- the narrowing down, the closing down of the Western mind. Uh, if you do something, you may as well uh, like this and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to radically uh, sabotage and stop that logic because uh, also because it's a logic of of distraction right we should not be distracted also the crises in in the world corona climate change uh, you name it right it's what i call the stack of crises it's such uh, that mm-hmm. the last thing we really need is uh, is a, is an information system uh, that uh, systematically distracts us from what we're trying to do Mm-hmm. We need to stop the distraction. And the distraction is built deep into the systems that we're using right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned this thing about voting because this interview is happening uh, the next day after the GameStop uh, issue. And I'm thinking that Reddit allowed voting and see what happened. Uh, but yeah, so your work draws from the autonomous tradition a lot, uh, which you, uh, you also notice this. It's characterized by a fear of technology, which I'd say that is... Uh, Uh, you can find this fear of technology pretty much in every radical movement of the last two centuries, uh, or maybe more even. Um, so you think all radical movements that have not been fond of uh, technological innovations since early industrial capitalism have been wrong? Yeah, that's true. And uh, maybe there was also uh, uh, ample historical evidence uh, for that, right? Um, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of Germans talk about a very specific part of the European population, you know, are skeptical about uh, Orwellian top-down surveillance systems. Mm? Uh, Maybe a good thing, right? Mm? Mm -hmm. We we want the Germans to learn something from history. So, and the fact that they have systematically, uh, you know, educated their young populations with these uh, values Yeah, it's something that uh, we can only uh, praise and look up to. Um, and I'm a bit careful to only uh, say, oh, well, that's anti-technological, uh, you know, uh, German romanticism uh, that is being replicated here. No, um, uh, of course, we can, um, we can uh, you know, criticize certain, certain aspects. Uh, of that European uh, culture, but um, uh, for instance, uh, it's uh, it's elitist part, right? Uh, the elitist part means that uh, you know the the workers all have to be online. They have to do uh, huh? they have to click here, look at ads, uh, hmm? mm-hmm. do all their work uh, online as. Uh, 
you know, it, it is the case now uh, in an unprecedented uh, way, where uh, whereas the, the elite can talk about, you know, the real issues, about real life, about... <clears throat> uh, so we need to be uh, a little bit skeptical of, uh, of these kinds of um, cultural uh, distinctions and uh, divisions of labor even. Uh, but having said that, you know, especially now in the, in the corona time, Again, there's uh, a lot of reasons to be, um, you know, uh, skeptical and uh, to be anti-technological. <laughs> so um, a lot of people will be quite hesitant now to come up with uh, grand uh, designs of technological solutions, right? I mean, there is the Morozov uh, effect, which is uh, that uh, many, many more uh, people now, in comparison to 10 years or 20 years ago, are aware of what Morozov calls techno-solutionism, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, the awareness of techno-solutionism, it means you, you see a problem, a social problem, a political problem, and then what you do is you push a, 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 a kind of hipster cultural elite that says, oh, we, there is a problem, but we can uh, fix, uh, fix it with a technological solution, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, but many people nowadays are becoming allergic to this, are, are becoming aware of this. Is that a good thing? I think so. I think that's a very good thing. Is that anti-technological? No, not necessarily. They propose a different relationship. And that actually brings me to my last question that I have to ask you somewhat briefly because we're slowly running out of time. But, uh, you know, the most proposed solution um, against the, domi the domination of platforms on our lives is uh, seems to be, the, you know, this idea by, you can find on Nick Cernak, you can find on Trevor Salt, uh, this idea of uh, platform cooperativism, that if you change the ownership of the platforms, things will be different. Uh, what do you think of this idea? Well, um, you know, for the last 20 years, I've been uh, a part of this movement and uh, a strong uh, supporter of it. Nowadays, and, and that's maybe what's different from, let's say, the, the cute, uh, smallish, uh, smallest beautiful networks of uh, 80s and 90s, um, uh, that is that we see that, you know, we need to embrace certain elements of centralization. And that's where the, the word platform comes in, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why... We call it platform cooperativism. It means, you know, that, for instance, that, yes, we can uh, develop uh, free software open source solutions, let's say, for local uh, taxi cooperatives. And this software can be used the world over, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, because uh, it is um, free and open, um, you know, a, a very specific taxi uh, co-op in Athens, they can say, well, you know, we like this aspect of it, but not that. Okay, then you change it, right? <laughs> but the basic software is there, and, uh, and, and that's what the word uh, platform indicates. It means that, you know, we make use uh, of work that is done elsewhere, and then we kind of uh, uh, change it. Uh, according to our um, desires, values, and uh, circumstances. 
And uh, yes, I, th I think the, the, there, um, there is a future uh, in that. But the problem there is really, you know, who is going to uh, pay, finance this? Um, because there is a silent drama, a, a collapse, a very, very deep collapse happening that we do not speak about enough uh, of, uh, of the entire free software open source movement worldwide. You know, that has been declining, of course. We, we've seen that in the last 10 years, but especially in the last uh, couple of years, there's been a dramatic um, corporate takeovers happening. Uh, think of uh, GitHub, uh, think of uh, you know Red Hat and, and, and so many other uh, instances. Uh, but also think of uh, you know something that we all use on a daily basis, Wikipedia, that, uh, where uh, you know it's still a taboo. Uh, to really uh, talk about it openly in a, in, a, in a public and a political setting, you know, how much uh, influence uh, a, a company like Google has over, over this so-called free uh, and open uh, online encyclopedia, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think uh, it is time, especially that we in, in, in Europe, uh, are reinventing uh, public financing uh, of such systems, understand that Wikipedia is a core part of our public education uh, system, that it, uh, Wikipedia is, uh, is, is a core part of the public library system, and so on and so on, right? And, uh, but until today, we still separate these things. And the good thing, especially uh, in the, uh, in the, of the corona time, is that um, uh, this distinction, this very deep distinction that is all, all in, in us all between the so-called real world and then there is this other world, the virtual world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a, there's a big wall between the two, that this wall uh, in the past year past couple of years have been torn down and this touring down can be compared you know to the touring down of the berlin wall the wall uh, between the real and virtual is gone and uh, it is now time uh, you know for a lot of these uh, internet initiatives to take stock of that <laughs> and on that note get loving thank you for joining us at the archipelago thank you